Welcome to the KPMG Isle of Man Relocation Podcast Series, where each episode we'll be looking at some of the key matters to consider when looking to relocate to the Isle of Man. As a result of COVID-19, we've seen an increased interest in the potential relocation to the Isle of Man as people look to find the right work-life balance, and as such, we hope this podcast series will provide some guidance in that area. So today I'm joined by Sir Richard Gosney, Lieutenant Governor here on the Isle of Man, and he's very kindly agreed some time with us just to talk about his experience of effectively relocating to the Isle of Man during this posting. So um, just a few questions, if that's okay. Throughout your career, you've had foreign postings in Indonesia, Argentina, Spain, Nigeria and Bermuda. So how did you end up on the Isle of Man? Well, I'd retired from that uh, career in the British Foreign Office as a British diplomat um, and I'd been retired for four years when I heard that the Isle of Man was looking to recommend someone to the Queen as their next Lieutenant Governor. And the idea of coming to live here in the Isle of Man was an appealing one because I've lived in or alongside small communities, smallish communities um, before and I know I like them, my wife and I uh, relish them. And it's the combination of uh, a tightly knit community if you like and um, knowing this physically attractive in the Western British Isles, which is Isle of Man is part of. It's somewhere that I've for years and years uh, enjoyed visiting when I could, but never actually lived there. So a combination of a smallish, tightly knit uh, community, people whom I sensed from a visit here a few years ago, are at ease in their own skin, at ease with themselves, and, and the physical attraction of the place, and, and I haven't been disappointed at all. So I came out of retirement to come here for another uh, uh, role in the public service for five years. And what surprised you most about the Isle of Man? I think it's a combination of the economic dynamism, because the strands to the economy here are more numerous than I've seen by far in any small, smallish place. That, with a physical setting that really is very attractive. You go over to the west side of the Isle of Man, and there are places you can walk high up on the, on the coastal path there, on, on high cliffs, but even though you've got a high view, you're looking north or south, uh, for a long way, you cannot see any other sign of human activity, habitation. There are a few places like that. So you combine that wildness, if you like, and there really is some, some fun to be had out in those parts of the island, not just the west, the east as well, um, uh, combined with a lot of interesting people doing a great range of things. And in terms of, I suppose, your role, in terms of spare time, what do you, what do you enjoy doing in your spare time and what, what does that, what's the Alban cater for? Well, it caters for just about everyone because uh, people think of the out- outdoor activities here, which are very strong. We, we don't do more than just go walking and pair of binoculars and see whether the seabirds have come back to the cliffs to nest in, in, in the spring or when they come back, the guillemots and the razorbills, and if you're very lucky, a few puffins. But the, the thousands and thousands of those seabirds that come back is are, are great fun. Uh, we tend to do that at weekends when we can. And, the role of Lieutenant Governor involves quite a lot of things on Saturdays and Sundays, but never the whole of Saturday or the whole of Sunday. There's always time to go off for half a day and, and go and explore. And that's what I choose to do. And my wife's a keen tennis player and golfer, and she does both of those as well as, as, the, as the walking. I do a little bit, little bit of sailing. I'm afraid um, my track record of living in warm places with nice warm seas means that the uh, sailing around the Isle of Man is slightly <laughs> rougher and readier than the sea, not the sailors, uh, than, uh, than I've known in, in some places. So I don't do a great deal of that, but it's, it's fun to do that occasionally as well. So that's the, the choice here. But what you can pick up on here, and we do a lot of, because people want us to be part of it, 
is involved with, with the major, they are quite major, music events. The, the musicals that are put on entirely by amateur companies here are West End standard. And I've known a number of people who have gone to see things like Les Mis here uh, and other shows that have been put on and have said, well, that's as good as they paid a lot of money to see. And I went to a lot of inconvenience to get down to London to, <laughs> to see it. The standard here is very high and, and concert music um, um, and choirs, choirs here are brilliant. They're as good as the Welsh, famous Welsh choirs here. And they're all amateur. Uh, and the way that people spend a lot of their spare time um, doing this by choice, I think is very striking. Perhaps that's also sort of harks back to a more uh, old-fashioned, traditional whatever way of life that uh, uh, a lot of the UK is now too busy to, to find time to do. But I often get the impression that people expect to give up several evenings a week to pursue their hobbies, music, sports, whatever it is, amateur dramatics, and to help other people do it. So brass bands here, brilliant. I never believed you could do a last night of the proms entirely with a brass band until I heard, and you can. Even the, even the subtle bits that we enjoy hearing from the Albert Hall once a year, yeah. last night of the proms down there, and the televised. Here they do it entirely with a brass band, and that's because there are a lot of people who play those brass instruments well, and the chap who runs it started off with a youth band, and there's a sort of sub-youth band where the instruments are almost taller than the children playing them. <laughs> and they go there on a Saturday morning and practice for a few years, and if they take to it, then they move up into the, into the junior brass band, and then they're into the senior brass band. So the standards of that sort of thing for a population of 85,000 are very striking. We've never been disappointed at one of the concerts, and there's comedy as well. There are plays put on. Which, Vicar of Dibley, I think, was one of the first we, we saw here. And they're very high standard. And they're often people who, whose day job is in the radio. And they're, they're, they're people who are familiar with, um, uh, with performing, if you like. Uh, and they do that. And that standard has been very high. So you don't have to just enjoy yourself out of doors. There's a lot to be done indoors here as well. And very often, spoilt for choice. And very often people say, oh, no, we missed that performance at the what's called the Gaiety Theatre or the the villa, which is the conference centre, which doubles as a bigger concert hall, um, because they were going to something else, because there was something else happening that Friday or Saturday night. So uh, if you want to stay at home, uh, that's, that's fine, but a lot, no one needs to stay at home here. And in terms of, we're recording this now towards the end of 2020, and obviously we've had COVID-19 uh, in 2020, and in terms of I know you've, you've mentioned it before, the, the community spirit from the Isle of Man. So I know that struck you quite, quite close to your heart. So do you mind just explaining a little bit more about what you've seen from, that, from this island community and from somebody that's looking to relocate, what they can expect there for when they do actually look to move over? Yes, it's a warm, it's a warm welcome because for a community that does feel very comfortable with itself, it's much easier then to embrace outsiders whether they're uh, f fellow Europeans or they come from much further afield from Asia, uh, Africa, or uh, elsewhere. And uh, the sense of looking after each other came through very strongly in what you've just mentioned, the COVID-19 in 2020, when, well, a couple of people from the rugby club up in, uh, in the second town in Ramsey recognised that a lot of the families up there, or couples, perhaps more elderly people or people who had underlying uh, health conditions would find it, would struggle to risk going out to the shops and buying their food, or would struggle to risk taking themselves off to pick up their, 
regular prescriptions from the GP surgery. So they just took it on and did it. And they developed a great network, this, and it was all done quite quietly. And when the uh, crisis was over, in terms of people being able to go out and knowing that they'd be safe because this island banished COVID-19 more quickly than anywhere else in the British Isles, um, then they just wound it down and went back to playing rugby or whatever else they'd be doing. There were groups down in the south of the island that did a similar thing. A woman who took the lead there, um, who I think is, um, is one leading figure in, in the local councillors in a place called Arbury. And they did exactly the same for the south. And they sprung up all over the place. Uh, and in fact, some of those people um, you know, are, have now been recognised by, by the Queen in getting extra MBEs. Yeah. Uh, in a, Island gets one or two MBEs every, um, uh, every New Year or Queen's Birthday honours, and they've got some extra ones because of recognition of people who made that effort. Not, not making a song and dance about it, they just got on and did it. And the, the, some places they developed a system of putting notices in your window, colour-coded notices in your window, uh, and you put a green notice up if you were a pensioner or someone who had an underlying health condition and everybody knew you wouldn't, you'd be reluctant to go out. Um, green notice said, I'm fine. A red notice has said, said, please come and knock at the door, I need something. Yeah, well. That's that simple. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure this happened elsewhere in the British Isles, but it happened here to a vast extent. Yeah. To, uh, 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 and people were uh, therefore very caring. I mean, it also means that if someone breaks the rules, uh, someone may spot you. <laughs> and uh, they've got some very strong rules here. If you come in as a key worker from outside, that you're needed for a short time. This was during the during the lockdown period, and, and while the restrictions carried on for the rest of uh, 2020, um, you were very strictly what you could do. You got off the boat or you got off the plane and you went straight to your hotel, and the next morning you went to the place where you needed to fix something that couldn't be fixed by anyone locally, and then you went back to the airport. And one or two of these uh, younger people thought, well, nobody will mind if we go and pick up a few beers from the, from the supermarket on the, on the way in. Oh, yes, they did. They were spotted, and <laughs> they didn't have to think about finding their own food and drink for several weeks after that because the prison <laughs> did it for them. Yeah. Uh, so that's uh, uh, and so that's a question again of people looking in, in a rather severe way, if you like, uh, people looking after themselves. They were they were concerned that the island should not be reinfected inadvertently. Sure, people could, should come across. Hospitals needed equipment to be installed, new equipment installed. There were CT scanners and MRI scanner, for example, going into the hospital here, and that wasn't going to be held up. People wanted to see that, but that needed some. Uh, technical expertise is not available on the island. They came over, but under those sort of strict uh, regi regime, and then they went back again. And the same thing applied to residents of the Isle of Man who wanted to come back after a visit away during that time. They had to be quite strict as to isolating themselves, self-quarantine themselves. Um, and no one was apologetic for that. No one needed to be, because people thought, right, that's, the, that's a sensible way of keeping us sane. And the people who went through it just uh, got on with it. Yeah. And in terms of then, the business community, you've, you've worked and, and traveled lots of different jurisdictions throughout the world, some similar islands to us, obviously, but mostly in the Caribbean with Bermuda. So how, does, how have you found the business community and what struck you most about the business community over here in the Isle of Man? Well, the first thing was that most of the smallish places I know of, you mentioned Bermuda, I've worked closely with Gibraltar in the past and the Falkland Islands and one or two other smallish places. Um, on the whole, they have two strands of the economy that are strong, and they just hope, uh, against hope, that they both don't dip at the same time, yeah. um, because that's bad. And the, you know that if tourism is on the up, then financial services may take a dip. You can live with it, and vice versa. Uh, you don't want the two to go down. Here, you've got half a dozen strands. I think if we talk to the um, 
Minister for Enterprise or the Chief Minister, they'd say, no, 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 there are far more than half a dozen <laughs> strands, but there are half a dozen evidence-strong strands here. Um, in the uh, conventional financial services, the banking, and then insurance, which is a savings mechanism uh, uh, within an sa uh, insurance package, e-gaming, which is different, and then outside of that uh, whole set of financial industries, which are those three are, are rather different, and they don't operate on the same cycle, so they can complement each other over a number of years. Uh, you've got a thriving agricultural uh, industry here, but mostly livestock, uh, and includes a strong dairy industry, and the people who run the uh, the Isle of Man Creamery, it's called, the, where the, uh, the dairy, are innovative and they wonder what to do with uh, all the whey that comes off the milk and they made it into cheese and they found that uh, Isle of Man cheddar cheese sells very well in the eastern United States and you go down the rather upmarket uh, supermarkets from New York down to Florida now and uh, every other supermarket has got a whole lot of um, Isle of Man cheddar cheese. People are prepared to pay what's needed to move that cheese across from the Isle of Man to the eastern US. You can get in the Middle East where our oldest son is working. He finds that in his local shop sometimes <laughs> you get the Isle of Man cheese. So that's a completely different um, industry. It's got its issues, particularly with the livestock. If you're on a smallish island with a smallish abattoir, what they call the meat plant here, then it's not easy to be competitive. And you have to be imaginative with that. And they, they do that. And then you go into some industrial areas that people would not expect here, but they are industrial areas producing very high-value, low-volume goods. In other words, it doesn't cost much to post them uh, to where they're going. And the barrier of the Irish Sea is a very small one. You talk to people like Triumph Engineering here, and they'll show you an ingot of a fancy alloy, which costs a thousand pounds. And they drill a lot of very expensive, very fancy holes, precise holes in this. And they sell it to British Aerospace or someone like or Rolls-Royce for £10,000. <laughs> so the postage doesn't... <laughs> uh, because there's a huge amount of work gone into that, and they do it here. And being there, uh, these engineering companies um, employ, I think, sort of the order of a couple of hundred people, maybe a bit more each, that sort of figure, 150, 200 people. But they're big enough to take on this work, but they're small enough so that if Rolls-Royce ring up and say, do you remember that thing you, you made 10 years ago for us? We need half a dozen more. Can you do half a dozen? The big engineering companies around the world will say, half doesn't know, you ask us for 600 and we'll do it, but six, no. Whereas here they'll say, six, yeah, what do you want? when do you want it, Wednesday or Friday? Uh, and I don't exaggerate there, because they, they, they are able to personalise their approach to their customers in that way, which are huge um, companies would find more difficult. So that's an, another strand to it. And then the tourism... Everyone knows about the TT motorbike races and there's huge numbers of people who come in to watch those, which is great for the island and seems to be great for the people who come and watch. They keep coming uh, year after year. Um, a lot of them park at the end of the drive of Government House because that's very close to the course. And over the four or five seasons, we've seen the rain... And the, the foreigners, of course, being organised, um, often get the, best, the, the, the first motorbike parking slots uh, on the... On, the first park there. So you see the foreign number plates. And from right from early on, there were some French and German, and then the Italians came in. And we now have Norwegians, and there's a Nigerian number plate appears, and heaven knows what, Australians. So it brings in people not just from the UK, but from, from further afield. Um, and that's, but that's only one element of the tourism. And you've got a lot of uh, particular interest groups come over, geologists come over. Some of what you can see in the, the geology of the rocks and the, in the cliffs here are quite striking and good examples, and you combine it with a bit of walking. 
Um, people come over here looking at traditional um, uh, railways, because there's a steam railway here, and there's an electric tram here, and there are horse-drawn trams, and then there's a mountain railway that's not a wreck rail railway. It's cleverer than that. It goes up to the highest uh, uh, hill, the mountain, 2,000 feet up, uh, quite steeply to get there. And people will come across and spend a week just going on those um, heritage railways, I think, heritage transport yeah. systems, they're called. Uh, and that's and so that's good too. Uh, and this, so that means it's not entirely, tourism is far from entirely dependent on the fortnight of motorbike racing in the early summer and a fortnight in the late summer. There are lots of other uh, times as well. I mean, bucket and spade holidays on the, on the beaches, the Isle of Man was something that uh, uh, passed into the history books when people found it just as easy, che cheaper and a bit warmer to go to Mallorca or somewhere else in the Mediterranean than come here. That was a feature of the 1960s, 1970s. So nobody pretends that that can be resuscitated. But there are other strands to that tourism which I find quite striking. And then some, going back finally to the industry, some very clever, um, precise industries. There are one or two pharmaceutical companies here. There's one that makes a powder. It's actually inert, but it's very good at blocking pollution. And, and this powder is sort of almost like a chalk dust, talcum dust, and you can scratch it up your nose, and you'll then, when you're in Moscow or Beijing, where they sell huge quantities of it, yeah. it will stop you, stop you getting all the pollutants and doing all the, what all the pollutants would otherwise do to your lungs. And of course, when when COVID came in, that became quite relevant as well. So that's one company. There's that in the equally precise, uh, because the quality has to be very high, a company that make lenses um, in a little factory near the airport. And those lenses are used in opticians, um, premises, shops, where you can have your eyes tested and fitted for spectacles. And they're also used in some of the fanciest uh, scientific research centers where they're much bigger and much more expensive, and they can do both. And the chap who runs it, show you with pride, uh, doing both of that. It again comes back to a very high value for volume. In other words, those lenses are worth a lot, and so you're quite, you know, the cost of, and you know, people send them off by post. You don't need special carriers, a lot of it's done by post. But the cost of that postage is a very small part of the production of it. So that is some of the examples that I could quote others of the way this uh, uh, economy has diversified very successfully. Uh, and that is quite a striking feature. I haven't come across it elsewhere in the world. And then just finally, um, if somebody's listening to this podcast now and they're thinking about relocating to the Isle of Man, what would your direct message be to them? Come and try it. There are lots of houses and flats for rent here. And so you can come across and take a rent for uh, six, 12 months or whatever. Uh, and you can then a lot of people carry on working what you were doing before, uh, wherever it was, do that remotely for a time before you actually want to make a decision about switching into something that is island-based. And then after a while, if you decide that you, either on your own or with your partner or with a family, uh, that the place uh, suits you, and you know, educational facilities are very good, uh, so no one will suffer from uh, a downgrade in that area if you've got a family, um, then you can decide. It doesn't have to be, it's not an all or nothing. And some, for some people, they may come across and after six or 12 months, they say, it's lovely, but not quite for us, fine. Um, so that would be my message. Come and try it. Yeah, that's great. Well, thank you very much for your time today. And uh, 
And yeah, best of luck for the rest of your tenure here in the Isle of Man. Thank you. If you'd like more information with regards to relocating to the Isle of Man, please visit our relocation hub website by visiting www.kpmg.co.im forward slash relocation. If you have any questions, please do not hesitate to contact relocation at kpmg.co.im. Look out for other episodes within our relocation series and we look forward to having you with us next time.